24, man. Voice of the fans. General sports edition. What you got for us this week, Cleveland? Oh, a little bit of everything, man. Looking into a little bit of this NFL, a few uh, signings that came along, uh, a few potential draft picks that are uh, looming out there. Uh, a martyr ended up settling with the NFL. Got some NBA news, ready to roll. All right, man. Well, let's let's talk about it. What was the biggest thing that's uh, caught your eye over the last couple of weeks? I did see that the uh, Cleveland Browns ended up signing Kareem Hunt. Um, I, I thought of it as taking a flyer on a very talented player with a, you know, a slightly troubled past. Uh, not a whole lot of issues, but the one was very, uh, very telling. Uh, unfortunately, you know, a, a no-no with the NFL, especially given uh, some of the past uh, discretion to some of their other players. So, um, not mad at him. Um, I think they understand that with Nick Chubb in their backfield, um, it's not a it's not a pressing need. But at the same time, if you can add an explosive player, that at one time you know was potential AFC uh, you know MVP, um, I think it's 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 worth the risk. Well, yeah, we knew it was just a matter of time before somebody assigned them. Kind of surprised that nobody picked them up off the waivers during the season just to kind of stash him. Let him deal with it. We figured he'd be back. He's 23 years old. But some people want to compare to Ray Rice situation, but Ray Rice was, you know, in his 30s. And as they say, the running backs in their 30s, you know, on the backside of their on the backside of their career. So this guy still has some good um, football left to play. And Dorsey, the one who signed him and brought him into Kansas City. Oddly enough, was in Cleveland and decided to bring him in. My initial thought was, now that's a crowded, crowded backfield. Because as you mentioned, they brought in, uh, they had Duke Johnson, they brought in Chubb, and now they got Hunt. I mean, that's a crowded backfield, but it only can help Baker Mayfield and the rest of those Cleveland Browns. So, not a bad pickup. We'll see if he actually plays this season. He'll probably be suspended eight to ten games. We'll see how it happens. I'm sure he'll help him in the back end. Good pickup, though. So, going forward, what did you think about uh, Antonio Brown meeting with uh, the Rooney organization or the Rooney ownership organization? Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of a. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a, just a dog and pony show. Um, you know, kind of as a courtesy. Um, I think initially you said he wasn't even going to uh, accept the invitation, which obviously looks very bad on his part. Um, I think his his uh, agent probably had a word with him. It was like, hey, that's not a good look, you know, going into, uh, you know, trying to be traded to, a, you know, a top caliber team. So they met. There wasn't really anything that they could say between the two of them that was going to uh, smooth the bridges. Uh, I, I think over uh, the last, you know, three or four weeks, uh, Antonio Brown has definitely made his, you know, his feelings known, and there wasn't really any reconciliation that was going to be able to uh, to get done. Yeah, you think now the agents finally decided to step in and say something? Because uh, Brown has been looking like a complete maniac over the last month or so. Sitting out the sitting out week seventeen wasn't a good look. 
going back a year ago, posting the, you know, the Facebook Live post when the coach is talking about distractions, eliminate distractions, what have you. Not a good look. This guy's been nothing but bad looks here in the last couple of weeks, and they have to wonder is he worth the wear. Although he is making up some good points about the quarterback and how that situation gone down, and kind of look at the Le'Veon Bell situation and how did the offensive coordinator handle that appropriately or what have you. Um, but Antonio Brown is making the situation worse for himself. He wants to get traded. Any force and general managers around the league to ask if they want this type of player on this team before they even get him. So shame on him for that. And let's until he gets signed, let's let's let this be the last we talk about Antonio Brown. Yeah, and unfortunately for him, he's starting to give that a uh, you know Carol Owens impression a little bit. You know, extremely talented, but is he worth all the headache and the bad things that comes with it? Um, I know this is his first incident, but you know, once again, twice shy. So hopefully, he doesn't turn into that kind of situation. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Well, at least Carol Owens wouldn't sit out a football game to make a point. He's going to play, and he's just going to talk about how how much he means to your team as he's out there putting up 120 yards and receiving all six catches, uh, sitting out a game is a terrible look. And just being a bad teammate is not even better. So, um, again, let's let's not talk about this guy until he gets signed and picked up and see how he impacts the team that he plays for. Speaking about, speaking about impacting the team, this next guy, can Kyler Murray be number one draft pick? Can he impact the team or – can he possibly fall to my Dolphins at number 13? Oh, he can most definitely fall to your Dolphins at number 13, um, especially when he goes to the combine and does all the measurables and, uh, you know, all of the uh, different activities that they do there. Um, I honestly think that his draft stock is going to fall a little bit. Um, I think that they're kind of enamored with what he was able to do in a short period of time over there in Oklahoma and just, you know, the, the potential uh, just in the highlight reel, so to speak, but I think that once you kind of get down to brass taxes and you you ask yourself, are you willing to take on a five nine quarterback as your franchise player? Then uh, that's a very difficult decision to make. But at the same time, the Dolphins, you know, they're feeling a little bit spurned. They uh, they, they pass on Drew Brees and uh, took a whiff on Ryan Tannehill and really haven't had a legit quarterback since uh, number thirteen was number three hundred five. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. That's a no-brainer. It's definitely a decision you make if you're the Dolphins. You're still looking for a quarterback from to replace your quarterback from almost 30 years ago. You take this guy, the Heisman Trophy winner, the playmaker, put him in the backfield. So everything is running to a spread offense anyway. Give him the ball. Let the magic happen. I can't wait to see it. What you got next, big guy? Situation. Uh, the NFL settled. It was kind of out of the blue. Uh, some sources have said that if that case were to get settled, it would have to be somewhere between sixteen and eighty million. Um, I personally projected that. I thought it was probably close to twenty. Um, I thought it was a number that he would settle for, no less than that. So. You know, it will all be speculation given that there's supposed to be a uh, confidentiality agreement between the two of them. But um, I think it definitely was an interesting decision on the NFL's part 
typically when they go to court, um, they feel pretty confident. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're undefeated, but by the time it gets to the higher court, it almost always gets overturned um, and almost always in the NFL's favor. So for them to take this stance, perhaps it was just them wanting to wash their hands of this whole thing, or perhaps they just thought it was uh, you know, not worth all the trouble. Uh, perhaps they thought their case wasn't as strong as initially anticipated. But I think that Kaepernick and uh, Eric Reed are definitely the winners in this. Um, not quite sure what that means for Kaepernick going forward. I know he said, his agent has said that, you know, he still has aspirations playing in the NFL. Um, I think that would only, you know, kind of diminish the accomplishments that he's made, but that's not my decision to make. Professional athletes do what's best for them. Um, Eric Reed accepted proof that he was able to play out there. So um, definitely a win for the players in my thoughts. Definitely a win for the players, he said. Okay, well, I got I have a slew of questions for you, Mr. Winner. And if I can portray you as the role of Mr. Kaepernick, I'd like to ask you some questions, sir. Okay, you go right ahead. Are you saying they're winners because they got paid out? Is that what makes them winners? I am saying that they are winners because, A, they got paid out, which in itself acknowledges that the league was not confident with going forward with the lawsuit. All right, I didn't need the extra stuff, but you're saying that, yeah, that you're acknowledging that the payout signifies a win to the players is what you're saying. So I got you correct. Correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we all know the NFL is a big conglomerate. Many different things going on with 30 – 32 different owners, many nefarious things going on. The point comes with the discovery where they really don't want to share their books. They really don't want to share what's going on, their emails, their text messages, their phone, their phone records, because maybe there's not anything directly linking them to collusion. Maybe there is no specific email that says, let's if you don't sign cap, I won't sign cap, and nobody else will sign cap, and he'll be out the league. Maybe there's no specific email that says that directly, but there's some other nefarious things that the NFL really didn't want. They didn't want to pull the curtain behind. They didn't want to unpeel the onion for everybody. So they decided amongst the 32 owners, let's take $2.5 million apiece, and let's pay these guys off. That's a little more than $60 million. Give Cap some of the money that he lost over the last couple of years not being in the league. It's a drop in the bucket to an NFL owner, correct? If you're doing the mathematics uh, from that perspective, absolutely. And when you realize, uh, you know that you know more than half the league are billionaires, then yeah, I, it's not a it's not a noticeable amount of money that they would have to be contributing to the quote unquote Kaepernick fund. Okay, and let me let me speak further. So now you say the players have won because they got the little, the few pennies from each of the owners in the league. It makes the collective sum. Sure, I take that sixty, seventy million guesstimate at at the best highest value. I take that and be happy. Sure, certainly that's a good chunk of money. You can do a lot of good with that. However, for 
you taking the knee, Mr. Kaepernick, two years ago, you told me this is about change. You told me you would only stand when you felt the people who were not being treated equally as our rights speak. You told me that's who you were kneeling for, and you wanted things to get right for them. That's what you told me. So now when you take this this sum of money and it appears what it appears to me is that it's a it's silencing the lawsuit. Now you won't speak about the lawsuit, you won't speak about the collusion, you won't speak about your cause. Because we haven't heard you, Mr. Kaepernick. Did the owners pay you to be quiet? They absolutely did not pay for my silence. What they paid for was to avoid the hassle and the potential embarrassment of what could have come out of the case and the investigation. As you said, it may not directly have you know been related to this particular case, but there are certainly things that they didn't want divulged to the you know, the public, there's their sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. And the position hasn't changed. The reasoning behind taking the knees hasn't changed. Probably yeah. what's changed more than anything yeah, the is the opportunity to do more good from what has come out of the situation than anything. All right, Mr. Kaepernick, okay. All right. You say you still you you say you're still pressing forward. You're still on the cause. You say you're still going to speak up about um, racial injustices in America, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Done? That platform has not changed. Um, the only thing within this agreement is that I just can't speak specifically about the economics involved in this settlement. Okay. Everything else is still on the table. Okay. I can so, still talk about racial injustice. I can so still Mr. talk about the reasons that I initially took the meet. All right, all right, Mr. Kaepernick. So if you had, if you feel that the NFL took a settlement and, and you won because they took the settlement, it seems, and I'll give you credit for getting the NFL to the point to write a check, first of all. You, des- you, de- you deserve credit for taking the knee. You deserve credit for standing up for the cause. You deserve credit for that. Yes, you do. You deserve credit for forcing the NFL to write a check. Yes, you do. However, my question to you, sir, is if they're willing to write the $70 million check, would they have been willing to write the $140 million check? You have them on the brink of not wanting to expose what is beneath. Why not take it a step further? Why not have them expose the NFL? Because you have, right, you have been willing to give you money so you don't expose it. Don't take the money. Say, I want to expose this. Let the people see what's going on behind the doors. You had them at that brink. Was $80 million that important? Because I thought, if I, if, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you just got $20 million from the Nike last season or last year. Could be, I could be mistaken. Don't mean to be counting the man's pockets. But is that $80 million worth just signing? 
Is that eighty million dollars worth you not exposing the NFL? After speaking with legal counsel, we understood there was a threshold, and there was a ceiling with which the NFL would go to. That being said, understanding the lucrative settlement that we were going to get and understanding the greater good that we could do with those funds allocated to programs that I personally been a part of and a participant in, we thought that was a win-win situation for everybody. Okay, one more question, and I'm going to let you go, Mr. Captain. I can appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your time and answering these questions with me. But I have one more question for you. This settlement that you've taken, would it have been better to get the NFL to fund your projects for the next five years? Or fund an educational project for the Boys and Girls Club, Boys and Girls Club of America, in all the cities they participate in. Some type of community event that the NFL funds because they're to educate the community, educate the public. So now they become educated against. Well, as you might recall, Cam, as you might recall. Um, the NFL has actually done that. They have set up a fund since I took a knee and brought attention to this and all the controversy. Yeah, the NFL they have actually started. They have actually started a fund. The, yeah, they pay the fund completely, uh, uh, completely different opposed to you. Just as you live on, as you participate on in San Francisco, they they pay for a fund that goes on in Philadelphia, completely opposite of the fund that you did. And that's my point. Couldn't you have gotten the NFL to fund a, a to fund a project in your name or on your behalf that you supported now for the next five to ten years? Again, to educate and further speak to the cause that you supported and that you actually took the knee for? Would that have been a better look than taking the $80 million, give half that money back and make sure the NFL funds this for the next years in advance? Certainly doesn't have to have my name on it, Cam. Um, it, it's not all about me. It's about oh. movement. Okay. 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 It, it, well, it's about to... it's about it's about taking situations and opportunities and making the most of it. We were yeah. able to get some funds to do some things that are positive within the community, given the attention that was brought to the NFL by my stance. Well, I'll certainly be looking forward to see what you do with, with these funds within the community, Mr. Kaepernick. And I'm, I'm, I would love to be there to cover every every event that you you have, because I think not only do the people want to know exactly what's going on, but people want to hear what you have to say. People want to hear your voice. People want to know where your direction is. People want to know what your vision is. I don't think I've heard the well, voice since 2016. Yeah, Pull up a chair, my fans. It's going to be a great ride. Pull up a chair. Okay. All right. I think they got their popcorn ready to go, too. What's up, Mr. Cleveland? What you what you got next, man? I, I really – Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. What were your thoughts on that All-Star weekend in Charlotte? 
it seemed a little lackluster to me. I don't know if it's because it was in Charlotte. I don't know if it's because since the draft, uh, we both knew that uh, Team LeBron was going to annihilate Team Giannis. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's because we didn't know who the slam, any of the slam dunkers were. Um, I don't know if it's because the three-point contest wasn't that dramatic. What were your thoughts on the on the on the NBA All Star Weekend? First of all, they had a big man, another big man, in the skills challenge, which was, which is always impressive to have a big big man win win a couple of events. I thought it was pretty uh, spectacular how Jason Tatum knocked out his competition in skill channel and ended up winning that. I saw that I came back. I was at the fight over the weekend, so I had come back and watched that on DVR. It's always best to speed through the commercials. You say the three-point t- three contest was lackluster. Oh, boy, who nobody heard of came up and put up 26 points, 25 points in the first round? Are you kidding me? And watching these watching these cats who you know who has a jumper is just kind of funny. You know they can shoot a jumper, but then Buddy Hill, for example, goes gets nine points out of thir- a possible thirty points. It's like, come on, man, really? <laughs> when you're not warming up, when you're that nervous, it's, it's kind of funny to see you know the best of the best um, have some rust on them. So I got a kick out of that. And then Curry came back to. I don't think he tied Harris, Joe Harris, Washington State alone. I don't think he tied him, but he came back to move into the. I think he hit ten straight, moved up, moved into second place, and then they couldn't beat Harris when he came back and put up twenty-five points in the second round. I thought that was pretty impressive. You didn't like that, huh? Well, perhaps like Lester is the wrong, the wrong term I'm using there, and, and you know, perhaps I'm being a little bit of a hater. But I really thought that uh, you know it would be the better look for Steph Curry to win in his hometown. Uh, you know, losing by one was a little bit of a heartbreaker for him. And I thought there were better shooters in the competition. I think they didn't come out and you know perform at their at their level best. I mean, you know, Devin Booker not making the finals is kind of kind of ridiculous. And you know, Chris Middleton being in the competition to begin with kind of ridiculous. So you know, there's certain things about it that were kind of you know so so, and then. You know, kind of the guy out of nowhere, I guess, you know, just, you know, sheds light on kind of what Brooklyn's been able to, you know, to do with some of his players and why they're in the position they're in. But, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock. So, lackluster, probably the wrong terminology. Not trying to be a hater, but it was a little bit of a a disappointment from the perspective that I thought that uh, the better shooters should have been in the finals. Hey, man, you got to shoot your way in. You got to shoot it in, and they couldn't outshoot, they couldn't outshoot Johnson. I give them credit. Um, that's a statement. Some of the bigger guys who you know who have jumpers, this guy came in with no name and outshot them all. So um, kudos to kudos to Harris. And then dunk contest, you know, it's kind of been fading away. We all agree with that. However, you know, dude jumping over Shaq. I mean, what? I mean, come on, you have to give him some credit for jumping over Shaq and getting his elbow in the ring. Wow, yes, that was pretty good. Or elbow in the hoop, that was pretty good. A um, couple other dunks out there. I think that's kind of the one that stood out. But it, I think the shooting, I think this year I can actually say the three-point shooting contest was better than the dunk contest. I would agree to anybody who says that. The all-star game is, you know, it's uh, the guys give three-quarter speed. And unfortunately in this league where 
it's always been a, a it's always been that case where guys give three quarter speed, but years ago guys actually wanted to win the game, and so coming out of halftime, they actually played like they wanted to win the game, and that's what was made the NBA the best All Star game around is. In the second half, the guys actually played, so you actually saw the best talent doing their best, you know, at their best. And now what we see today is because the guys kind of like each other, it's more of a uh, YMCA type, you know, no defense game. Would you agree with that? Or Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's almost rivals like a celeb kind of, you know, program kind of game. It's like, you know, not, it's not a real game. But it's kind of the game, you know. You, you, there's some structure to it because there's rules and reps and, and that kind of stuff. But it's really not a real game, and it, it's almost like a, you know, an underwritten rule that you, you don't really turn it up past a certain notch or level of intensity. And it's kind of uh, frowned upon if you do. I mean, if you're out there, you know, setting picks and trying to get boards and contesting shots, everyone's looking at you like, "Hey, man, what are you doing? Didn't anybody send you the text or the memo?" I mean, we're not really playing that hard. So, you know, it, it, it's hard to get everyone on the same page at the same time. And, yeah, it just ended up, you know, at the end of the day, kind of just being like an exhibition. So. So, as you, you mentioned earlier, we knew LeBron's team was going to come back and win. I actually had hope for Giannis and his squad about the second quarter, and then coming out in the third quarter, it was all over once Bill and uh, Dame Dollar went to went to work to start hitting threes, and then KD was consistent throughout the game. We we will it be any different next year? Did, will Giannis be able to pick a better squad next year? What do you think? Uh, hopefully, he's he's been able to learn from his mistakes. I thought, uh, you know. Watching the draft, he did a few of his homies a solid, you know, kind of picking him in a much higher position than he needed to be. And I think he was with a much more uh, international kind of feel to his team, a little bit more uh, length to his team, uh, a little bit more of a defensive mentality to his team. But again, as we just before mentioned, uh, it's just ridiculous to kind of have that approach in an all star game. You really want to win, you got to pick guys that can run and gun, uh, shoot threes from anywhere, and fly all over the court. You know, if you don't have that, then you don't have much of a chance of winning that. So, I think he's learned his lesson. Yeah, let's hope he learned his lesson. It's kind of fun, though. I think Giannis was the star of the weekend. I was hoping for him to get the MVP. I don't know if you saw the the special they had on finding Giannis. It was pretty amazing um, that this kid comes over here and is getting down to the NBA. Got to love his game. Got to love his growth. Pretty cool kid. So, what, so the what, kid, going into the uh, going into the All Star break, it looked like the Lakers had gained a little bit of momentum with a win over the Boston Celtics uh, in the Garden. Rajon Rondo going back to his old stopping ground, putting a dagger in their watch, hearts. We watched that game. We watched that game, and, and the question was asked: Is this the turning point? I was like, Well, hell yeah, this is the turning point. This is where the Lakers catch fire. This is when they put all of those. Uh, you know, trade rumors to rest. They come together as a team. They take a step forward, and, you know, they make that playoff push. And what happened? But turning the corner, coming into uh, you know, Thursday's new slate of games, they are not in the playoffs. And the question has to be raised. 
will the Lakers make the playoffs? Well, Becca, you got to say what happened after after they had the miraculous victory in Boston where Rondo made the miraculous shot. What happened the very next night? They so it's a slight letdown. A slight letdown? They got ran up to Jim White. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Lakers are not in the playoffs. It will be amazing. So I'm looking at this thing to see one or two things. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. No, I don't expect them to make the playoffs. However, if they do make the playoffs, you know what we're about to see, right? We're, we, do you understand what we're about to see? If Should the Lakers make the playoffs? This guy number 23 in the yellow and gold is going to have to go on a, a tear more amazing than what we've seen out of James Harden the first half of this season, if that's possible. Like a 45 and 15 and 12 every night type triple-double for them to get into the, for them to get into the playoffs. Do you think that's possible? Well, I don't think it's going to take that type of heroic effort for them to make the playoffs. Um, what do you mean? I think it will take. What do you mean? I think it will take. I think it will take, you know, some fortuitous bounces here and there, but certainly nothing like a, you know, a James Harden type of tear to, to make the playoffs. Not that far out. They're only uh, two and a half games out of the playoffs at present, and the number eight seed is the Clippers. Traded away all of their talent and tanking, so um, I definitely don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a little bit of a tough task if LeBron isn't 100% healthy, and this team kind of goes, you know, in and out with its intensity as it's been doing the first half. But if they're able to click and gel and put it together a little bit, you know, let's not forget Lonzo Ball is coming back to the team, uh, and LeBron oh, yeah. missed 18, 19 games. Um, I read that Lonzo Ball not in the playoff the playoffs in the situation that, you know, right now. So, yeah, I definitely think it's possible. Uh, I forgot Lonzo, ba- Lonzo Ball coming back with all his playoff um, victories. Come on, man. Stop. Gives him another piece. Gives him another piece with which to use and, you know, make that playoff run. Again, if they make the playoffs, it's going to be on the back of LeBron. Tremendous basketball play. And I don't know that – he can do it for a few nights. I don't know if he can do it for 20 nights. That's what it's going to take. They're going to have to go on like on a 17-5 and five run, and I don't think he, they have that in them. What you got next, buddy? What is your biggest surprise of the first half of the season? My biggest surprise so far has been the play of PG-13. That guy, Paul George, had decided that he wanted to uh, be Russell Westbrook's sidekick and uh, ride shotgun in Oklahoma City has definitely, uh, you know, put his money where his mouth is. Um, you know, planting that flag in LKC was, you know, uh, an odd decision, you know, from the outside looking in, but maybe he knew something we didn't. Um, he's definitely uh, playing above its head, in my estimation. So that's been the biggest surprise in the first half for me. What about yourself? That's a pleasant surprise, I'd say, as a Thunder fan. That, I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't think Paul George, I, I considered him uh, the best 
number three guy we'd ever we'd ever see in our lives. Quite consider him a number two guy, and definitely consider him a number one. But he's been playing out of this freaking world this season, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. That's a pretty good uh, call, um, and it's certainly something I was hoping for, but wasn't quite anticipating. So that's a pretty good call out of you, Mr. Klubar. My biggest surprise would be the play of the Boston Celtics. I expected them to be. Now they're going to be. In, they're going to finish in the top four of the Eastern Conference. They're that good, but I expect them to be head and shoulders above the, um, leading the Eastern Conference this season, and they're not doing that. Part of the reason of that is because of the cohesiveness that the Toronto Raptors have shown immediately upon Kawhi Leonard joining their squad, and then the amazing play of Aunt Giannis. Antetokounmpo and his great play, but I my I say my surprise is Boston Celtics. What do you think about them? Um, I think we certainly expected more with uh, them having a, a full uh, arsenal of talent. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward coming back, Kyrie coming back. Um, the growth that they were able to make last year getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, we definitely thought that they would be knocking on the door and one of the uh, favorites to come out of the East. And in my presence, their record does not reflect that. I think they're, they're a four seed. Um, you know, kind of actually they're tied for they're tied for fifth. So, you know, the, the schedule coming down the stretch will definitely dictate where they end up ultimately. But yeah, I definitely can see them as uh, you know being one of the bigger disappointments. I wouldn't say disappointment. Um, one of the bigger surprises, we expected more out of them, but it's getting closer to playoff time, and I, I think they they have the ability to, to flip the switch, and we'll see if they're able to do that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if, if they have the wherewithal to do that, yes. So as we've as we, you know, kind of gotten past the All-Star break, you know, assessing all the ballers, who is your pick for uh, MVP so far? Oh, the leader in the clubhouse is James Harden. I think he he has led his team to number five in the Western Conference after losing Capella with due to injury, after losing Ariza due to a trade. He, lo- he lost his heart and soul. Uh, Chris Paul has been out for some time, so he hasn't been there to kind of assist throughout the most major part of the season. Um James Harden is definitely the leader in the clubhouse. I have Paul George, or excuse me, I have Paul George number two, Giannis at number three. So my top three goes James Harden, Paul George, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. How does your top three go? Statistically, it would be hard to argue against James Harden. Um, he's up in there, that rarefied, you know, Wilt Chamberlain there, where you're throwing up numbers that don't even make sense. You know, 30 plus points a game for however many games. He's been on fire. Mm-hmm. He's brought his team back from the dead. He is the reigning MVP of the league. But I think Giannis is 
done just a tad bit more. He's got his team in the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Nobody really saw them coming. They had to, they had to get to the top over the Toronto Raptors, over your aforementioned Celtics, over the Sixers that were supposed to be making that turn, especially after getting Jimmy Butler. So his ability to hold all of them off has been quite impressive. I would have to get the slight nod, to be honest. Well, Giannis is doing very impressive. What James is doing is remarkable. He's doing it in the Western Conference. He has a team number five in the Western Conference. Giannis has the team as the best record in the NBA. Hard to argue that. Hard to argue against him. But James is doing it in the Western Conference with less help. Giannis, is, they, they built that team around him and allowed him just to go crazy. And he's doing every he's doing everything they've allowed him to do. Can't take anything from him, but my vote will go to, to Harden. He's doing it in the Western Conference. It's certainly a tougher conference. You know, the Western Conference of basketball is the toughest conference slash division in all of North American sports, without question. So, your know, degree of difficulty, uh, perhaps, um, all-around talent and results, you know, that's, that's debatable. I mean, I, not even really debatable because what Giannis is doing is that has a team at, you know, number one. Yeah. Harden is doing has a team at number five. Much more difficult. You know, road to go. Different conference. Time. Different conferences. Different hairs. Different split hairs. I got to go the opposite. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you roll with that. We'll see how things play out the rest of the season, or yeah, the rest of the season. Mr. Cleveland, you want to take a moment to talk about Euphoria, the brand that's uh, hitting the racks of the Northwest at a rapid speed, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Very excited about some of the new and fresh designs that we're coming up with, um, getting ready for the uh, Christmas holiday season here. Uh, Looking forward to seeing some of the uh, t-shirts and beanies and dad hats on a lot of our fans and uh, supporters out there. So definitely be on the lookout for uh, new Euphoria gear very shortly. Uh, We we will do, and we'll be expecting some new Euphoria gear down here in the Southland, sir. Um, Appreciate the love, sir. Uh, the people at What's Good Sports want to talk to you, talk to the fans, and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the What's Good Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the What's Good What's Good Sports.com website. So let's preview this week in the NBA. Uh, which teams do you expect to make the biggest move in the standings in the second half of the season? Um, let's, let's back up. I'm, I'm definitely. Sorry, sir. Sorry to cut you off. We got 
We got C. We got our Be- Patrick Beverly story. So what's good in the sports story? Patrick Beverly visiting Cedar Sinai twice in the January. Yes, that was a pat. Um, I was fortunate enough to go down there and visit Patrick Beverly. I didn't visit him the first time, but within a three-week period in January this year, Patrick Beverly have visited the Cedar Sinai Hospital here in Los Angeles. Just visiting with the family, spending some time with the family, and talking to him, he says it helps him stay grounded, helps his him and his people kind of put things in, in perspective. Um, and he helps them appreciate kind of what they have and, and the road he's been through. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Patrick Beverly's kind of past, but growing up in Chicago, he ended up playing basketball in Russia. He played basketball in Greece before coming over here to play basketball in the NBA. So he's a pretty competitive kid. And talking to him, you know, you gave seeing – seeing him – specifically off the court, in the hospital, in a different light, gave me a different appreciation for him. Where as I was looking at a base basketball player, just looking at it from the stands, you know, you kind of think this uh, an annoying, uh, troublesome, Nelson troublemaker. That's kind of the perception I have at a, about him. But once I got to spend some time with him and see him spend some time with these families on his own time, on his own day, on his day off, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, one is a story he was playing with a kid in the in the room. They were there playing Jenga. And it got to a point where they were getting real serious. You know, the, the if you played Jenga before, once it kind of gets about seven or eight stories high, any any moment it could come tumbling down. And we heard the kid in there cheering. And the next thing we heard was uh, the house come tumbling down and Beverly lost. And he came out of the house. He came out of the room kind of mad that he enjoyed the time that he spent with the kid, but mad that he lost. Like, man, I shouldn't have did that. I don't know how I lost to this guy. He's just kind of talking to himself. And I was thinking – Come on, tell me the truth, man. You let him win. He was like, "Oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. I don't let anybody win anything." And it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty funny, and you know, because that when he, when I said that, that competitive spirit came oozing out immediately. You could tell that he was real serious about him being disappointed about losing the game. But nonetheless, long story short, man, it was a great time to interact with him. A great time to see him interact with the families, and they appreciate it too. Their families were really excited to see. Uh, him come through, and, and that was really cool. Um, your thoughts on that? You can find that article. Oh, that, you can find that article in my 12th, February 12th article of What's Good in Sports. It's there for you to read. Yeah, that's a very inspirational story, and you know, one that definitely needs to be told. I mean, far too often, you know, we we, we focus on the negatives, uh, you know, that athletes portray in you know, in the media, but um, never get a chance to really see them in a, a more positive light. You know, some of the uh, things that they able, they're able to accomplish and you know, the impact they have on the West Forces. So that's definitely an inspirational story for us. Yeah, well, thanks for um, allowing me to share, sir. Not a problem. 
So preview week in the NBA. Which games are you most looking forward to watching this week? And me, I got a little bit of a schedule going on and some things I really want to see, see what these guys can really do, what they're about. Uh, starting with Boston at Milwaukee, there were four minutes and Celtics that you were concerned about, a little bit disappointed about, uh, mm-hmm. versus my pick for MVP, Giannis. So we'll see if coming out of the All-Star game, if he can continue his streak and you know, if Boston can turn it around. I also got uh, San Antonio at Toronto on the calendar. The return of DeMar DeRozan to the Chief.0. Oh, wow, that's a good one. See if he wants to, uh, you know, place his vengeance upon thee, let them know what they've been missing. Right. Or if he lets the, uh, you know, the emotions get the best of him. Also want to see that Houston at Golden State. Your favorite for the MVP, James Harden. See if he can take that uh, Wilt Chamberlain-esque Streak into the uh, Golden Gate area and get things done. And then we have Boston at Toronto. Will Toronto be able to stay focused or will they be drained after the emotional uh, return of DeMar DeRozan? These games will definitely impact the, uh, the standings going forward. So, you know, it's good stuff. These, uh, this looks like NBA, NBA TV or NBA. You need to pick it because these are some great games that you called out here. Boston and Milwaukee. Wow, that's a that's a bar burner. It should be uh, San Antonio, Toronto, Go, Houston, and Golden State. Boston at Toronto. Oh my goodness, the NBA is fantastic, man. Um, fortunately for me, Mister Cleavon, on Monday I'm so excited I get to see Luke Dantage in person live at Staples Center playing against the Clippers. As you mentioned, the Clippers don't have anything to play for, so I want to see if Luke could put up the 15 and 10. I'm excited to see if he can get down. Um, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, to see what's happening. That's my preview of the next week in NBA, is I get to see Luke Adachi live, live in action. Also, also before that, um, the AAF. Now I don't know if you are going to get to that. I'm sorry, I'm changing, switching gears on you, but I will be in the house. I'm gonna check out the San Diego Fire. I think they are called, and I get to see what the AAF is all about this weekend. Anything you think I should be keep my eyes out for? Oh yeah, just just hope that uh, no one gets some seriously injured out there, and that uh, you know they all they all come back in one piece. Um, just a little bit of a hodgepodge kind of league out there going so you know they they just recently made payroll so uh yeah hopefully things going for the best. San Diego Fleet they're called you call them a hodgepodge organization. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking to see see what the how they treat the players, how how they take care of them, what kind of organization is in, as in comparison to the NFL, which I covered a couple of big games earlier this season. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm going to check that out that Sunday. But then again, Monday, man, I'm really so excited I get to see Luke play. Luke will play. I'm really excited about that, and I'll give you a fresh report back next week. How about that? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, tell me all about the AAF. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll bring it back a fresh report for the AAF too as well. Well, my man. So back. Right on, bro. What, what you got for us? 
I was going to say, uh, with regards to the, the week in the NBA next, uh, you know, next week previewing, um, I'm expecting the second half of the season to have some pretty major movement in the standings. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, I'm seeing Indiana without Oladipo currently in the three spot, um, two spots out of the five spot, to me, one game out of the five spot. Um, I think they're going to take a precipitous drop. I don't know if they'll drop all the way to seven where Charlotte is, but I think they will definitely drop to six, which gives those other teams, um, your performance in Boston Celtics, a chance to sneak into the three. Uh, perhaps Philadelphia to sneak into that same spot because Philadelphia and Boston are tied. Give a chance for Brooklyn to sneak into that five and then play either Philadelphia or Boston as opposed to playing Toronto. Looking forward to seeing that kind of movement. Um, and, of course, the Western Conference, the most difficult conference in you know, all of sports, is always fluid. So from number four to number eight, they're only separated by three games, and there's two teams, the Kings and the Lakers, on the outside looking in, only separated by two games. So the fluid movement is what I'm definitely looking most forward to seeing. As if in the Eastern Conference, as you mentioned, Indiana is going to slide. We would expect more of them to slide. I expect them to find a finish fifth. But this having them number three is a cool is a credit to Nate McMillan and his coaching staff. I'm glad to see him back in the league. Glad to see him doing things. But I think Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia are going to finish in the top four. Those are the teams to be concerned about in the Eastern Conference. Nobody else is worth talking about, in my opinion. Yeah, but on, a, on a week-to-week basis, it can, it can all change so dramatically. So that's what makes the uh, NBA so exciting and so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, take it out. And like I said, the NBA is fantastic week in, week out. Javon, thank you, man, for your time. Thank you for another fantastic week. Thanks for putting together the show, big guy. And uh, same time, same place next week. Uh, my pleasure, my friend, and I will definitely be there. All right, big guy. Thanks for your time. Look forward to seeing you. Hey, folks, be sure to subscribe, rate and, re- rate and review our show. Also, thanks for making our voice your choice. Cleveland, have a wonderful week, big guy. We'll talk soon. You the same, bro. Talk soon. Later. Hey, what's up? What's good in sports? It's Daniel Cormier. Thank you guys.